Join me in prayer, won't you? Beautiful song, beautiful. Heavenly Father, what a month we're experiencing. Many of us aren't sleeping as well as we'd like. Many of us are, have never been busier. Some, of us, some of us are missing moments. Some of us are missing people. Uh, we're, we're experiencing loneliness. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would speak to our hearts this morning would help us with our grief, would help, would help us with our fears, would help us with our doubt, because we know that the greatest battle you won, defeating death by raising your son Jesus from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need to wake up this morning a little bit, do a little hop where you're at, it might help. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not hopping, there's no way. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Brian. Wasn't that a beautiful song? Love that. Love that. Hey, here's the question I want to begin with. Hey, what is it that stresses you out the most about Christmas? What is it that gets to you the most? For me, it's probably just making certain I have fun in the midst of it all. I don't, I don't like to be so, you know, focused that I'm not enjoying uh, a little fun. One of my friends uh, asked this question of his congregation. Uh, what's the most challenging part of the Christmas season for you? Here were some of the top answers out of 100 comments. Uh, the first was uh, not eating all the cookies, like all of them. Okay. Uh, the second was family dynamics. Not getting caught up in the materialism of the holiday and minimizing the true importance of Christmas. Uh, Accepting that our married kids have a lot of people to please in addition to having their own family now. How about this? Expectations can steal my joy this time of year. Making the perfect Christmas for my family while finding the thoughtful gifts for the extended family, all while staying in budget and not eating every treat in sight. Oh, and keeping the reason for the season in the forefront of my mind. Sigh, I wish it was all so much simpler. Just a few weeks ago, too, my wife and I and son Grant had a chance to be in Bethlehem. The real Bethlehem, not like Bethlehem, Missouri, or Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Bethlehem, Israel. And you know what they had in mid-November in Bethlehem, what was going up? What's going up behind us? A Christmas tree. As a matter of fact, I think they called it a Christmas tree. Wow, that was bold. A Christmas tree. But you know one of the very ironic things about Bethlehem? The majority of the residents of Bethlehem do not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. No exaggeration. The majority of the residents in the city of Bethlehem where Jesus was born do not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. They do not believe that he was crucified. They do not believe he resurrected from the dead. Okay. How critical is that? When it comes to really enjoying Christmas as it was designed to be, I think it's so important that we acknowledge the most important historic moment in the ministry of Jesus that gives credibility to everything he ever taught and everything we've learned from him in the first century. And that moment is captured in this picture, which is a covering over the uh, cave at Golgotha. 
the very spot where Jesus of Nazareth was buried and resurrected from the dead. It's this spot. This is in Jerusalem. It's this very spot in a very humble, humble uh, cave. I mean, where a very small body can be uh, placed. Where Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and makes Christmas totally worth celebrating. If he resurrected from the dead, we can believe everything we've been taught about his very unique life, his very humble life, his very simple life that changed the globe. And that can change us. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Do you believe he bodily resurrected from the dead? I want to tell you, it is the most important, outside of his substitutionary death on the cross, it is the most important component of Christianity that you will believe. Because if he resurrected from the dead, then the standard that he's asked us to live by is actually higher than what Moses taught. The standard is higher than what the prophets taught. He raised the bar, and this is what he said. He raised the bar to what we call the royal law. And you know what the royal law is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's right. That's right. The standard is just higher now. Because of the resurrection. And Christmas can take on new meaning when you really follow that standard. Now we're going to look at the resurrection story. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to move a little fast here. Can I talk fast? Okay, here we go. So our view, firstly, is not God's view. As we look at discovering Jesus today. Our view is not God's view. The view from below is this. All is lost. All is lost. No, no, no. The view from above is all is one. All is one. We can be positive because of the heavenly view that we have. Let's read the narrative. When I get to the red, join me if you would. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw when God wants to give evidence throughout history, he sends angels. And you know what our response is? They scare the heck out of us every time. Except this. She's not too, too, she's not too scared. She's a tough gal, you find out. Seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot, which frankly is about this far apart. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and... This gal wants the body of Jesus. She's very concerned about him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Wow. (laughs) Thinking he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. This gal's bold. There's nothing holding her back. She's the one that shows up. She's the first person Jesus appeared to. Isn't that special? Let me tell you, in the first century, it's not how you start a movement. In the first century, you don't start a movement by appearing to a woman because in a court of law, her testimony doesn't even stand. It has no validity. Everything's upside down. 
She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus presumably spoke Aramaic. He was from the north part of uh, Galilee where many uh, spoke Aramaic. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples. That's her name. She went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Let's act like we've seen the Lord. One, two, three. I have seen the Lord. I mean, she'd seen him. Her Christmas is riveting. Huh? Huh? And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is uh, looking, this is, I'm on the Sea of Galilee here with my family. We're looking west. This is the bluff under which Jesus typically came down into Magdola. Mary was called Mary of Magdalene because she was from Magdola. And just very recently, because of the construction of a building, they excavated the actual synagogue grounds of Magdola, where Jesus spent lots of time. And I must tell you, when one of my friends just said to me while we were standing there, he said, the Son of God was here. I was like, (laughs) here it is. It's covered. They cover most things to protect them. This is the actual synagogue, the gathering, the assembly of the first century Jewish community where they would gather. It's pretty cool. That's where Mary was from. Mary had a lot of significant challenges. And Jesus really took care of her. She, at one time, was uh, plagued with demon possession. Can't imagine. Seven of them. Yeah. That's all I'm going to comment on that. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Isn't this interesting? Disciples had the door locked. Mary's out looking for his body. Some, us men, would we admit sometimes, our, our, sometimes the ladies in our lives, they got a little more courage than we do? Would we admit that? No, me either. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Let me tell you. When you see the Lord, when you experience Jesus personally, he can bring you joy in the midst of a lot of difficult circumstances. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he said to his disciples, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Deep concept. Don't have time to go into it right now. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when he came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. How many of you have a skeptical nature about yourself? Like, I'm not going to believe that till I can put my fingers in there. It's understandable. Jesus met Thomas where his doubts existed. He wasn't turned off by his doubts. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He walked right through the wall. I guess if you can conquer death, you can walk through a wall. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let me tell you something. This is the most important thing you'll believe. Because if you can believe that Jesus Christ bodily resurrected from the dead, you can believe everything he taught. It's not necessary that you believe 
a lot of the, the, the stuff maybe you've been told you need to believe. And I'll mention a few of those here in a few minutes. This is essential as a Christian. Here's why. The writers said that the, the key to your salvation is this. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It, this is the critical piece right here. This is what makes Christmas Christmas. Without this, you don't have Christmas. You just have a lot of carbs. Okay? <clears throat> when they discovered Jesus alive, when they discovered Jesus alive, Mary overcame grief. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? So I think it's fascinating. Jesus' movement starts with the testimony of a woman that would not hold up in court. But I think it's also fascinating to watch Jesus' empathy and love be practiced here. She's the first one he went to. When folks are weeping or struggling, how good are you at reaching out? Or are you more gifted at avoiding? Okay. Why did Mary grieve? She lost her liberator. His power freed her from her darkness. I do think demon possession still happens. I try to avoid it. She lost her teacher. His truth freed her from deception. She lost her purpose. His life gave her direction. No sense of security anymore. She lost a lot. Hospital. Let's replay this. Let's um, get it's this been a month out. tomorrow that okay. I, Hi, I'm Karen Davis and I'm a nurse at Feather River Hospital. Um, it's been a month tomorrow that I went, I've been there three and a half years at the hospital and we started our shift early in the morning. And um, just shortly after sh- starting our shift, um, my director came around and said, Anybody you can discharge? get them discharged right away because there's a fire. And about 20 minutes later, we get a overhead code triage external that the fire is really close. And then not more than like five minutes later, we got a code black, get out now. Um, There were only a few ambulances. Nobody could get into us. So we had to load patients and cars, um, any vehicles that were there. So once we got all the patients loaded, Um, Some were just getting out of surgery. There was someone in surgery. There was a new baby that was just born. We had four newborns, one C-section. It was just incredibly chaotic. And um, I was, my daughter was on the phone with me the whole time. And um, I said, Wendy, I don't know if this was a great choice uh, going down this road. She goes, Mom, what do you see? And I said, I can't even see my hand. It's black smoke. She goes, Mom, I think you're on fire. I jumped out in the flames. I went around the back of my truck and went to the car in front of me, and I didn't even know who it was. I just jumped in. There was a a fire truck up ahead, too, and he just, um, they were keeping us from going straight ahead, and we found out afterwards right ahead is the street that a lot of people just dropped in their tracks. The fire just went through and there was a lot of people that died. So they circled us around and told us we had to go back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, Then after maybe an hour, um, we were told we had to evacuate that because the hospital caught on fire. Uh, My girlfriend Nicole and me and this Dr. McClarty and another couple jumped in Dr. McClarty's car and they told us to head south to Oroville. 
And when we get out on the road, we go, this is the way they sent us because uh, it was, we had to drive through fire and smoke again. Oh my and then after um, a mile of that, all of a sudden the, the sky just opened up. Uh, and I'll tell you, we prayed the whole time. Mm. We, we held on to each other the whole time. Some families are still displaced. They're living in a house with uh, 17 people. Uh, and, um, but I, you know, I see God's, um, God's going to restore hearts he's going to restore the town and you know with so many bad things that have happened in the news and with politics and everything mm-hmm. um i've seen nothing but good wonderful things that god has done um because of this tragedy so you know god has a way of turning um bad things into something really beautiful and i see that happening i see it happening for me in the future Amen. and um you know, I'm just blessed to be here and oh. look at all the people I've met since yeah. I've come to Sacramento. Oh, thank so you. thank you, and thank you for your support, too. Oh. It's been wonderful. Hi, I'm Karen Davis. This is Karen, Karen Davis. She has attended the last couple weeks, and she's experiencing hope, even after losing everything, including her new car. And uh, she's on the way back to to be with her daughter this Christmas, to go to uh, Las Vegas and be with her daughter. But I tell you, the the resurrection means hope is possible, like it was for Karen. The resurrection means hope's possible for all of us. Jesus said through the Apostle Paul, our God is the God of all hope. There's always hope. How How do you ensure you're experiencing hope? I think like Mary, you got to show up. I think when you're feeling hopeless this time of year, you know what you want to do? Assume the fetal position, pour yourself your favorite food and beverage, and stay in the couch all month. Maybe that's just me. Am I the only one? Right? Isolation, right? Comfort. Don't have to talk to anybody. Don't have to get hurt. While the disciples are locked up, what did Mary do? She showed up. You've got to show up. You're going to get invites to parties this month. And guess what's going to happen? You're not going to want to go. You're going to say, eh, eh. Me need food and beverage. Me need comfort. Mm-mm. The comfort you need comes from others. The very thing you need is to show up. Mary showed up. Diane showed up in services a couple weeks ago. We got to love her because of her courage. Show up. Show up. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, show up. Show up. Wake up. Show up. The resurrection says this. I'm not asking how you feel about truth. There's a lot of truth maybe you've been taught over the years that can be kind of distracting. The resurrection is saying, I want you to focus on this event. I'm asking you to realign how you live around the resurrection. We can get... We can stumble over things we've heard, half-truths throughout our lives. This is the truth we need to align our whole life around. That is the bodily resurrection of Jesus, the fact that he sits at the right hand of God, and that the spirit that raised him, him from the dead lives in you. That's where we need to stay aligned and stay positioned. And when we do that, then we get to fulfill the royal law. We get to live like first century Christians who ask the question, what does love require of me? It's all about this. 
It's all about loving your neighbor as yourself. It's all about putting the other person's uh, interests above yours. If you're, if you're married, it's all about trying to outdo one another in submitting to one another. Competing to see who can su- submit better. There's an exciting competition for December. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> Number two. How do you discover Jesus? Mary found, Mary found hope in the midst of her grief. Secondly, the disciples overcame fear. They were scared to death. They'd lost everything. They'd lost their, uh, their, their family. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost three years' income. They probably lost their gym membership. They probably lost all their frequent flyer miles. I mean, it's bad. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. God's presence. The resurrection means courage is available. Courage. Courage. Be encouraged. God's spirit in you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He's given us that. Great courage. How do we experience it? We've got to open up. Mary showed up, but these disciples opened up. You've got to open up for that spirit to live in you, that spirit of courage. In the face of some of your next big steps, to trust Him to give you strength to endure, to trust Him to help you face whatever you're facing, to be encouraged by Him, by His Spirit. You see, the resurrection says, I'm not asking you how you feel about truth. I'm asking you to realign how you live around it. Imagine the, the fears Jesus had about that la- those last 36 hours of his life. He faced them at age 30-something, early 30s. He asks you to face your fears and open up, let him in. And maybe today's the day you open up and you let Christ in. You let the Holy Spirit into your heart. You ask Him to fill you and help you overcome your fears. I know we have them. And then when you overcome your fears, what is greater than fear? It's love. You ask the question as it relates to what you're afraid of. Hey, say it with me. What does love require of me? What does love require of me in my family? What does love require of me at work? What does love require of me in my marriage? What does love require of me of my best friend? What does love require of me of that neighbor that drives me crazy? What does love require me of how I drive on the 5 or the 80? Right? Okay. Number three, Thomas overcame doubt. Thomas overcame doubt. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Boy, it's as if he's speaking right to us. Three reasons to believe in the resurrection. There were 300 prophecies down to who would get Jesus' clothes that were written... uh, up to 1,500 years before the life of Christ, even more. There are two female eyewitnesses, which is, again, totally upside down. No invented movement would start with women eyewitnesses in the first century. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm saying that's, that's what happened. Jesus, Jesus totally messed with culture when he did that. It was all intentional. He did that all the time. Messed with people. And then lastly... There were 11, William Mar- 11 willing martyrs who we know wouldn't die for a lie. These are the strong evidences of the resurrection. 
But where do you start if you really want to dig in? What if you're a total skeptic? Where do you start? What if I told you there were documents written in the first century by eyewitnesses that saw his resurrection? What if I told you there were first century documents written as early as about 60 AD by people who either witnessed the resurrection or who were friends of those who witnessed the resurrection? Would you be interested in reading them? Those actual documents? Let me tell you what they are. They're the cornerstone of why we believe. One guy, a doctor in the first century named Luke, wrote a complete piece on the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Luke. And then there's Matthew, who was a tax collector, which normally we don't like those kind of people, but he followed Jesus, and he wrote a narrative of the life of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And then there's this guy, Mark, actually, who was a young kid when Jesus was being arrested, and he barely escaped. In fact, he escaped with all of his clothes off. He actually was naked, running through Gethsemane. And he's the kid that wrote the Gospel of Mark. You can read those and you're getting a first century account of the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Oh, and you can also read from his brothers. What brother is going to tell you that his, his older brother died, buried, and was resurrected from the dead? In fact, his brother James identifies himself as a bondservant of Jesus. Okay, I know that older brothers want you to serve them, but how frequently does a younger brother make, identify himself as the servant of the Lord? And then there's Jude, the other brother. And then there's John, the one that Jesus loved the most. He knew it, and he talked about it, and he wrote a bunch about it. Those are all first century documents that if you read or listen to on an audiobook, you can, you can be so inspired to help overcome your grief, to help overcome your fear, and to mostly help overcome your doubts and have your faith fortified. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? <clears throat> the resurrection means faith is rational. Faith is rational. Let me just say something. In the first century, becoming a Christian did not require, don't miss this, in the first century, becoming a Christian did not require that you believed in a literal creation account. In the first century, becoming a Christian did not require that you believed in theistic evolution and rejected um, spontaneous uh, evolution wasn't part of the original piece. In the first century, becoming a Christian did not require that you believed that Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days and then spewed up on a beach. You know what was incumbent? That you believe Christ died for your sins and was resurrected from the dead. That's the gospel. And when you believe that gospel, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Say it with me. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Even during our grief, even during our fear, even during our doubt. The resurrection means faith is rational. When somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should go with whatever that person says. <laughs> Andy Stanley. <laughs> you can believe him. You saw this couple honored this week. <clears throat> George Herbert Walker Bush. What an incredible man. Incredible family. And uh, I, I loved the, the cartoon that I saw this, this week also. It says, um, it's, it's Barbara who died six months ago. I think I've got that right. 
and George being reunited with their three-year-old daughter, Robin, whom they lost as a young couple. And, and Barbara's saying, we waited for you. Here's the deal. This is the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection, what makes Christmas real, is that because Christ resurrected from the dead, we can face our grief, though it's deep, like the loss of a child. Although that child can't be returned to us, we have the hope of going and being with that child someday. Those are the very words of King David. The resurrection gives us great hope that we can overcome our fears or experience the love of Christ during our fears. The resurrection means we have the hope of facing our doubt. And I've told you where to go for your doubt. It's those first century documents. They'll strengthen your faith. How do you deal with your doubt? How do you do it? You follow up. You follow up on the ramp of reason before taking the leap of faith. Study up. Read up. Learn more about the resurrection of Jesus from the first century eyewitnesses. And some of you might be like, I'm not a reader. Hey, this is what I do, man. It's the funnest thing in the world. I just put my phone on. I go to YouVersion. I push audiobook. I put it at two speed, and I have a party. It is a blast. It's fast. And my faith is built. My doubts are alleviated. Do you believe? That's the question. Do you believe? Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's us. This Christmas season, we have an incredible opportunity to reach out like the early Christians and invite our friends to come to Christmas Eve services. If you received it when you came in, open up your, your, um, your handout, and inside there are some invitations. Take those out and put them in your purse Fold them up and put them in your wallet. So, so when given it, or put them in your, in your, in your uh, shirt pocket, so when you have the opportunity to reach out to a friend, a neighbor, and love them, and invite them to come to our Christmas services. We want to see lots of your friends there. Invite a friend with grief. You know anyone that's grieving right now? Invite a friend with fears. Invite a friend with doubts. How do you discover Jesus? You show up, you open up, and you follow up. That's how you really experience them. The resurrection says, I'm not asking how you feel about truth. I'm asking you to align how you live around it, around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, then you become a 21st century follower that asks this question. Say it with me. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Maybe you've never made that personal decision to believe in Jesus Christ. And this morning I'm just asking, have you believed in his substitutionary death on the cross for you and his bodily resurrection? That's what's critical. The scriptures say if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you're saved. If you've not taken that step, why not right now? I'll lead you in a prayer for that right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for friends. Thank you for this Christmas season where... All of our fears, all of our grief, all of our doubts can at least be addressed by your love and the power of your resurrection. God, I know some folks are having a hard time this season, and we pray your Spirit would encourage them. And Heavenly Father, right now, if there's somebody here that wants to take that next step, senses your invitation, I pray you'd 
open their heart. And if that's you, I ask right from where you're seated, would you just pray this prayer with me if you're ready to believe in Jesus Christ and simply pray, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I believe you resurrected from the dead. Are you ready to take that next step? Right from where you're seated, simply say, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You died for my sins. I believe you resurrected from the dead. I believe this. I want to follow you. If that was your prayer today for the first time, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask you to do something bold. Would you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's today's the day I prayed that prayer. Anybody? Pray that prayer for the first time. And believe in Christ's sacrifice for their sins and his bodily resurrection. Anyone? Anyone? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your resurrection that makes Christmas so worth celebrating. So legit. Now, God, help us all month answer the question, what does love require of us? In Jesus' name, amen.